Crossroads family, I'm Jacqueline, and whether you're joining us on our campus or online, it's great to have you with us. That's right. I think we can all agree that over the last year, things got pretty messy. In our homes, in our workplaces, our nation, we could be here all day listing these things out. We have a lot of great examples of things that we should not do when times get hard. But today, we're going to look at the book of James to see what we should do when things get messy. So right now, let's welcome our senior pastor, Chuck Boer. All right, all right. Um, I want to give you a heads up on where we're headed right now. And uh, a lot of what I'm going to talk about in the message when I get over there uh, deals with grief and loss. But I want to be as clear as I can. While a lot of what I'm going to say there will have similarity to the loss of a loved one, that's not what I'm specifically addressing. There's going to be some similarities. But over here, we're going to talk about what happens when situations occur or circumstances happen and loss comes. Loss of a job, loss of a hope, loss of a dream. But loss of a loved one's different. Um, and God cares about that. And a lot of us right now, not just a few, a lot of us are dealing with the, the pain and the hurt of the loss of a loved one. And if I don't separate the two, my concern is you, you're not going to think I care, and I, I don't want you to miss I do. We do as a church. We care. We care about the pain. We care about the hurt. And so, again, there will be some similarities but I want to tell you what you most need, you most need when you've had the loss of someone you love. You need God and you need the right people. Not just people, it's got to be the right people. And uh, if that's what you're dealing with, if that's what's rocking your world, if that's what you can't make sense of, then get as close to God as you can because the Bible says he's near the brokenhearted. And also get the right people around you. Uh, after the service, we'll have pastors up here who are willing to pray with anybody who need, has any need. But in particular, the need that comes when you've lost a loved one. And so uh, I want to pray about that. And then I want to pray about our message. And then um, I want you just to lock in your mind. If you need prayer afterwards, we'll have the right people up here ready to pray with you. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be comforting to those who need comfort, that they would know you care, that they would know they matter, that uh, they would know, Lord, you see and know, you know, every tear they shed. There's a lot of us who are here, and we can't make sense of some of the things that have occurred when we lost people that um, we care about. Sometimes we know it's coming, and many, many, many times we don't know it's coming. And, and uh, no matter how it happens, Lord, we're made to love, we're made to feel. So I pray, I pray today, Lord, that you would be with anybody who's dealing with that. I pray for all of us to understand what it means to, to, to go through times where grief comes. Maybe it's grief over a, a lost opportunity, grief over a hope, grief over a dream that are gone. Uh, I pray today we won't miss that. So be with us, Lord, in this moment. Show us uh, your will. Help us to you know, live life 
so that in the end, we will always attain to that promise that we're not just people who overcome. We're more than conquerors. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what do you do when life gets messy? That's what James is kind of digging into because he's talking to people whose lives got very messy. They were living very securely before they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Then just by saying, I'm a follower of Christ, they could lose their home. And many, many, many did. They lost their income. Uh, they lost any opportunity uh, to move forward in their life. And, and some of them had uh, relatives killed. Others had locked up. All of a sudden, life got messy. I, I told you last week, though, some of them ended up moving to a new place and in the midst of the mess, they got blessed. I mean, they made more money. They had more opportunities. And so James said to people in that boat, he said, I need to tell you something, you guys. You've got a responsibility to care for other people. But, but what I want you to know now is that we, we need to ask a question when life gets chaotic and life gets messy. What would that question be? Well, it comes from a pastor named Andy Stanley. Uh, Andy Stanley is a pastor that many, many people on my staff, our, our staff, they love him. They're like his favorite, their, their favorite pastor is Andy Stanley. So what's that question Andy Stanley asks? It's this. What story do you want told about you on the other side? When you're a, a mom and your child breaks something. What story years later do you want your child telling about how you handled it? Uh, when uh, you're driving in the car that you just had clean and they spill stuff all over, what story do you want told later? Uh, when you're going through something tougher, when maybe uh, you, know, you, you suffer a, a job loss, and your kids are watching you and wondering about the security of your home. They don't even know that's the question they're asking. What story do you want your kids to tell later about how you handled that? Uh, when you have a, a relational blow up, what do you want said about you on the other side? So that's the kind of thing we're talking about right now. And so I want you to think about it because we don't want to be like the man who was driving with his wife in the car and he gets pulled over by the highway patrol. And the cop comes walking up to the car and he looks at the man and he said, uh, sir, did you know you were going 75? And he looked at the cop and said, oh, I think I was going 60. And his wife said, honey, you just told me you were going 80. And he looked at her, and the cop kind of took a breath and said, uh, well, did you also know you have a taillight that's out in the back? And he goes, no, I didn't know that. And she goes, honey, a month ago you told me that taillight was out. And he's looking at her like, what are you doing to me? And the cop said, I think I'm going to have to cite you for not wearing your seatbelt. And he goes, oh, I just took it off. And his wife said, oh, that's not true. You hate wearing a seatbelt, and you never wear one. And so the highway patrolman looks at the wife and said, is he always like this? And she said, only when he's been drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's not the story you want told, okay? But uh, here's the thing we, uh, we know. 2020 was kind of a messy, chaotic year. 
Uh, in one way or another, we were all affected, even though many, many people came out good on the other side. USC uh, just released a study that reported that 80% of Americans faced a significant challenge this year. 80% faced a significant challenge. Many, many, many of those overcame uh, and actually came out better. And here's one I want to say. They probably have a great story to tell about how they confronted it, went through it, and got on the other side of it. Uh, many people didn't do so well. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I'm not trying to be judgmental. Many got filled with anger and hate and became divisive and attacking and complaining. That's not the story you want told. And God is actually calling for us to understand whenever we go into the midst of, of loss, and no matter how you look at this year, there was some sense of loss. There could have been a loss of freedom, loss of security, a loss of a job. Uh, some, it's the loss of their favorite place to go to. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people I know that were grieving that Disneyland was closed. That's called first world problems. But it was a loss. And uh, whenever we experience a loss, we go into a grief cycle uh, that's actually been made famous by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Uh, by the way, I, I want you to kind of know some things about that. But, but in her study on grief, she found that there are five, five things that can happen during grief. And she calls it the grief cycle. Uh, we can start by having denial, and then we could have anger. And then bargaining and depression and then finally acceptance. By the way, we don't go in that order necessarily. You could go right to acceptance. Or you can go through one and then bounce back to the other. But typically, typically, uh, we will experience many, if not all, of those emotions. And they are emotions. We go into denial, which is emotional and it's not intellectual. By the way, when the COVID crisis hit, many people went in denial going, it's not real. Hospitals are filled. Even in our area, they, they had to bring in refrigerated trucks for those who passed away and they couldn't handle the sheer number. But no, it's not real. And I would talk to a lot of nurses in particular going, what do they think's happening? And I go, well, they're just in denial. It's grief. It's just grief. And it tells a lot about what's churning on the inside. Um, or anger. How many people got really angry in this time? Uh, I mentioned it before, but that probably was maybe the most telling thing that we would get so filled with rage and anger. And, uh, or bargaining. Um, one of the things she said we do is we could be bargaining. We could say, well, you know, if I do this, then that, you know, will occur. And, and then we sometimes bargain with God. God, you know what? I actually will start going to church every week if you make sure I don't lose my job. Uh, God, I'll actually listen to all of Chuck's sermon. I mean, I know how hard that is, you know. <laughs> or depression. A lot of depression during this time period. Uh, and then finally, that place called acceptance. Uh, by the way, there's nothing wrong with going through all those. Uh, I want to be very careful in my mind, and I hope you are too, when someone's manifesting maybe denial or anger, not to be judgmental, but to know that they're trying to work through something that's very, very difficult. So what happens is James is warning us, though, don't get dysfunctional. 
Uh, James is warning us not to let that get hold of us that way. James is saying, I want you to handle it better. And when we look at this section of James, James 5, 7 to 20, we're in James chapter 5, 7 to 20. Uh, what I want you to know is James, though, is saying, here's the right way to handle it. Here's the best way to get to a place of acceptance and a place of overcoming. And he's talking to people again who are dealing with a lot of loss. And so uh, he says the word therefore. By the way, whenever you study scripture, if you're a highlighter and underliner and you see therefore, highlight or underline it. And in answer this question, what is the therefore, therefore? Uh, right? Because it, it's a major point of scripture. Uh, and so James is bringing up a big therefore. Therefore, knowing that when you're in the midst of trials, choose joy. That's how he began the letter. Therefore, uh, when you need wisdom, you ask of God, he'll give it to you. Therefore, you know, if you're in the midst of chaos and confusion, that's not the wisdom of God. Uh, therefore, if God has blessed you, you have a responsibility to help others. Uh, therefore, so he has all these therefores he's building to. And he says this, therefore, in the midst of all of this, be patient. Be patient. James 5, 7 says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets uh, earlier in the late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Uh, twice he mentions right there, and he'll mention it more, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Always keep that in the forefront of your mind, not the back of your mind. By the way, let me say that again. As a believer in God, God calls for you and I to keep it in the forefront of our mind that Jesus Christ is coming back. Why? Because when he returns, you want to be found faithful, right? Uh, you don't want to be found doing something you shouldn't be doing. You don't want to be found having an attitude you shouldn't have. When the Lord appears... You want to be able to say, I was ready. And so he said, I want you to keep that in the forefront of your mind. But what I want you to grab hold of is James is saying something really cool. He's saying, start by being patient. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Why? Because in the last days, the Bible's clear, difficult times will come. In 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, but realize. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. So knowing that difficult times will come, knowing that's true, then what do we do? Choose ahead of time to be able to ha have the kind of attitudes and actions that would cause you to be a person who could have a great story told about how you handled it. Uh, make sure that's what happens. Uh, I, I told you before that when my son, my youngest son, got into a car accident, um, I didn't have a good story to be told afterwards because I was really mad the car got wrecked instead of focusing on was he okay. Uh, what I didn't tell you is my oldest son, praise God, I got it right for him. Uh, he was driving and a woman who was very, very drunk veered across the lane head on, on into his car. Uh, the car had special meaning because my grandmother who loved him when she passed away, wanted him to have it. And now that car was totaled and gone. 
It wasn't just a car to him. It wasn't a car to us. But I got the phone call from him. He said, Dad, Dad, I was just in an accident. And I did say, are you okay? And he said, I'm okay, but the car's totaled. And, and Dad, I, I'm scared. And I said, I'll be right there. And I, I drove as fast as I could. Pam and I did. We pull up. There's police everywhere. The woman's cuffed uh, and, and sitting on the um, side of the road. And um, they're going to take her under a DUI arrest. And I go up to Rich. I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah. Do you know what's so interesting? Years later, years later, we're sitting with some people. And Rich said, you know what? I'll never forget, Dad. You were there in an instant. Dad, you were, you were right there. And it felt good to have you come and care like that. All these years later, still that's the story he tells. Is when I was in the worst, one of the worst moments of my life, my dad was right there by my side. That's the story that he gets to tell. Sadly, my younger son can't tell that same story. <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is, it's a good question to ask. And James said, if you're patient, you're not going to have a bad story to tell. You're going to have a good one. I've said this, and I want to say it again. I know you're never, ever going to be sorry you were patient. But you will very often be sorry you were impatient. Would you agree with me on that? Would y'all, have anybody ever walked up going, I mean, I'm just a patient person. I got to apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. See, uh, one of the things we might want to think about, and I've heard this before, and I actually think about this a lot, see if this is helpful to you, is are we a thermometer or are we a thermostat? See, I think God's calling for us to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. What's a thermometer? A thermometer is at the is at the mercy of the circumstances. If it's hot, it goes hot. If it's cold, it goes cold. But a thermostat regulates the environment, right? So a thermostat is known because if it's hot outside, it'll just make it colder in the room and comfortable and good and nice and cost you a ton of money in California. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If it's Cold outside, the thermostat can make it heated up and wonderful. So the thermostat is not, not at the beck and call of the circumstance. So I would hope the story that's told about me is that people would go, Chuck, you never lost your joy. Chuck, you always brought faith and faithfulness to every situation. Chuck, you were calm in the midst of the storm. Chuck, you were caring when other people weren't. I, I hope that I'm somebody who walks into a situation and I'm able to bring the temperature in the room down when it's getting too heated and too hot. <laughs> Thank you. That's my assistant, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah. She doesn't like being the focus of attention. She's right there, though, but, you know. So can we get a camera on her? Because I'm a, I'm a thermostat right now. Um, so, so that's the thing I want you to think about or grab hold of is that, you know, are we, are we someone who causes the temperature in the room to be regulated by our joy, by our love for God, by our care? And, and if you're that kind of person, the story that's told about you later is a good one. 
You know, uh, you'll be the person when things are going crazy and falling apart or blowing up or, or whatever's occurring, people are going to go, hey, could, we, could they call you? Because, man, we need someone like you in that moment. Uh, I've got a bunch of friends like that. Uh, one of them is my friend Gene Apple, who uh, is at the senior pastor at Eastside Christian Church. And uh, there's been some moments around here this last year, I don't think you'd be surprised, where I'm like, I don't know what to do, so I just call Gene. Because he's always got a faith-filled idea, a vision for something better, a way to see how we can overcome. He's a thermostat and not a thermometer. Uh, I hope Crossroads Church during this season has been that. I hope we, in this season, have been known in this area as a thermostat that brought love and care to our area of the world and not hate and division. Because the whole world got caught up in hate and division. I believe Jesus Christ called for us to bring love and care. And uh, I, I want us to understand that's what James is saying. Is I, He wants us to do that. And then he uses a very interesting illustration. He said, be like a farmer. Be like a farmer. Uh, and what is he saying about that? Uh, farmers are patient. Uh, farmers plant things and expect the crop to come up, but they know what's not going to come up right away. Uh, so uh, I was intrigued by this, that during the COVID crisis, did you guys, probably many of you know it, uh, that home gardening took off astronomically. Did you know that? Uh, they sold out of tomato plants and all these things. I know because I tried to get into it too. And I'd go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and they were sold out over and over and over again. So I told Pam, this time of the year, I'm getting on it. So I got, and Pam goes, well, are we going to buy a plant? I said, no, we're going to plant a seed and wait for it to come up. So you guys, I planted these seeds and I watered them and I'm waiting for them. Uh, we've got cilantro out there. I've got my own like salsa garden, you know. And the rabbits have loved every moment of it. They're not cute little bunnies anymore. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be like a farmer that plants. And then we know eventually the fruit will come. The produce will happen. And in James 1, 2 to 4, we're going to go back. Notice how this, therefore, remember this. Therefore, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I'm hoping that, for me, I'm hoping for you, that the story that's told is this one that you were faithful and faith-filled during this crisis, and you're more mature, you're better, you're more founded on the Lord, you're more solid in your faith, and you're ready now to go into the next challenge. Because you know what is interesting? The Bible says in the last days, difficult times will come. By the way, with what's happening in Israel right now, we're in the last days. Uh, what Russia just did, we're in the last days. Uh, I am so ready to do a last days update, uh, but so much is going on, it's probably like a three-hour sermon. But one of the things the Bible says in those last days, difficult times will come. Now, there's one or two choices you and I have. The Bible says be patient. 
Don't get rattled. So you know what? Knowing, knowing we are going to have another challenge coming at some point. You can either go, oh man, one day it's going to be horrible. Or you can go, oh, one day I'm going to fight and win the challenge. You could choose to be a thermometer or a thermostat. And I'm hoping you and I, uh, we choose. We choose the right way. Uh, By the way, uh, in the midst of it all, we can know that Jesus Christ will take us through. Deep down inside, I can know that's going to happen. And I want to be somebody who experiences that. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So I want to have an assurance from God that all I'm hoping for on the other side will occur and will happen. And I want it for you too. There will be overcomers. There will be those who get through. So let's get very practical now. How do we make sure that we have the right story told about us? How do we make sure we've lived in such a way there's a story to tell? Let me give you some examples. James 5, 9. Avoid complaining. Avoid complaining. So determine right now you're not going to be a complainer. Determine right now you will not complain uh, with your mouth, uh, in social media, in texts, uh, and by the way, in your mind. Uh, Because I think a lot of us, if we got honest, we're standing there complaining and nobody else knows. James 5, 9 says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Notice again, he's pointing to the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to know, Jesus is standing at the door. Now, this was written thousands of years ago. Now, to God... A day is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. But we are closer than ever to the judge coming through the door. If he, if he was standing at the door then, I think he's stepping through now. Do you get where I'm going? And, and know that. Know that's true. Know that that is something we need to be uh, uh, aware of. Um, one time when I first became the senior pastor here, uh, we were facing a really big challenge as a church. I knew it coming in. I just didn't know how bad it was. And it got worse and it got worse. And uh, I, sad to say, knew that I would not be able to keep all our staff. I would have to go through a season of layoffs just for the church to make it. Which, by the way, for any of, uh, anybody else who's had to do that, it breaks your heart. It, it kills you. And uh, I'll remember, never forget, one day that I walked into the office and no one knew I had stepped through the door and two people who are on our staff are going at it and they're complaining about each other, complaining back and forth. It's getting more heated, more heated. Finally, they're going to almost yelling. They didn't know I was there. And they turned around and there I was. (gasps) You know, they quit. (laughs) They're not with us anymore, by the way. No, they're really not. I I put them at the top of the layoff list. Wouldn't you? You Don't keep complainers. You don't keep people who do that. Not when you have other faith-filled people ready to take the mountain. And James says, do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. There's a judgment that comes with complaining. Um, I just recently uh, read a study, this is a very interesting study, that people who have what we call secure attachment, meaning they're healthy mentally, meaning they have solid relationships, 
meaning they're, they're people of maturity. They're, they're secure, not insecure. One of the signs, to get ready for this, one of the signs of someone who is secure that way is they tend to avoid people who complain. And they tend to stay out of their life and have them not in their life. Did you know that? I was, when I read that part of the study, I was like, whoa. And they said, it's just, no, you don't have to teach a person who's secure to do that. They just know to do it. They know not to be around a complainer. By the way, uh, if you didn't know it, God is very, very much against complaining. Uh, more than once, God warns not to complain. This is one of the places. And so what we need to know is that the Lord says, avoid complaining, avoid complaining. So you and I can do an assessment and determine, are we a thermostat or a thermometer based on, are we a complainer? Uh, a person who's the thermometer gets caught up in the complaining. And a person who's a thermostat regulates it and takes it into problem solving, looking for possibilities, praising God, having a whole different attitude. So number one, avoid complaining. Number two, avoid giving up. Avoid giving up. James 5 verse 11 says this, we count those blessed who endured you have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Avoid giving up. Don't just say, I'm done. Don't say, it's over. Don't say, there's no hope. And when those feelings come, realize they're not from God. And determine ahead of time to think things differently. Like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to see something great occur from this. Uh, we need to have that attitude constantly. And we need to really make sure that we avoid ever having that give up and give in mentality. And so one of the things that's so interesting to me is they point to Job. Job had the most difficult life of almost anybody who's ever lived. He did not cause any of it. But Job hung on to his faith in God. He had deep questions to ask God. He had moments he wrestled through. He was very real and human like you and I are. But in the midst of it all, he trusted in God and trusted in God to come through. I uh, think it's very telling that in Job 19 verse 23, in the midst of all that pain, he says this, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they may be inscribed in a book, that on an iron stylus and lead, they were engraved in a rock forever. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, whom my eyes will see and not another. And he says, my heart faints within me. I can't wait for that moment. I can't wait for that day. And so what does he say? He says, you know what? I believe, I believe that my Redeemer lives. I believe I'm going to make it through. And sometimes you and I need to say those words in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of, of not knowing what's coming next, just to say, but one thing I know, my Redeemer lives. And I'll see him. 
I'll see him move on my behalf. I see him bring through the solution. I'll see him bring me to a place of victory. I know, I know, I know that I'll see that. And so what do we do? Well, we need to be patient. We need to avoid complaining. And we need to avoid giving up. We need to say, somehow I'm going to come through. And that's how we make it through the tough times when my life is messy. And if you and I live as a thermometer, uh, as a thermostat and not a thermometer, then you know what's going to happen. The story that's going to be told about you will be, do you remember when we went through that tough time? Man, how you handled that? For you who are parents, your kids are going to be proud to tell that story. Uh, for you who are married, your spouse is going to be proud to tell that story. For those of you in a work setting, other people are going to be proud to tell that story of you. Because they're going to say, wow, you were different. You were different. And then at some point, someone's going to come to you. And they're going to say, why were you different? And your answer is going to be Jesus. It's all Jesus. And they're going to believe there is a Jesus because they see in you a testimony of somebody who knows him in a very real way. By the way, don't you want that the story told about you? Yeah. But my question would be right now, where are you at in your connection with the Lord? Where are you at in your relationship with him? Uh, he wants to be close. He wants to carry you through. He wants to show you the solutions. He wants to enact in you power that is beyond who you are. And right now, if you're not experiencing that, then I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross so you could have that. He died on the cross so you could be forgiven, healed of hurt and pain, free from anything that would hold you down or hold you back. He wants all that for you. But what you and I need to do to enter into that relationship with him is we need to pray a prayer and say, yes, I want that. And right now, I'm going to lead that prayer. Right now, I'm going to ask you, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Maybe for the first time or maybe to recommit your life to him. Are you ready? Are you ready to experience all he has for you? You're ready for him to come and let he be, him be the one who lifts you up. The Bible says that if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. So right now, I'm going to lead that prayer. And if you're ready to say yes to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. You can pray it for the first time. You can pray it to recommit. But I'm going to ask you to say those words to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would touch anybody who needs to open their heart to you and give their life to you. Oh God, I pray right now for them to know your love, to know how real you are, to how much you want to be with them. Right now, if you're ready to say yes to the Lord and to recommit your life, right now, if you need to be free from something, right now, Right now, this could be your moment. Whether here or online or on the patio. But it begins, it begins by praying a prayer. And if you're ready to pray that prayer with me, actually whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. 
I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer. We are so well, amen, and we are so excited for those of you who just made a decision to follow Jesus, either for the first time or maybe you've recommitted your life to him today. And we want to know because, again, like Keanu said at the beginning of the service, we'd love to help you take your next step. We want you to be alongside other people who can help develop you on this journey with Jesus. So in order to do that, head to crossroadschurch.family. You can click on I Said Yes to Jesus, or you can always text amen to 77247 right now. Again, we have people who are ready to send you some tools that are going to really help you on your journey. Yeah, and if you want to grow deeper in your walk with Christ and you want to take your next step, um, go to crossroadschurch.family and click on the button that says, I'm ready for my next step, um, where you can just then get resources to grow deeper in your walk. Also, we just want to say, if you found this message helpful, why don't you go ahead and share it so that somebody else can find it helpful as well? Um, or you can leave us a comment. We'd love to respond to any comment that you would leave for us. We really do. We love interacting with you guys, so make sure to leave us a word there. And then also, if you haven't joined us yet for our Wednesday night service, we're always live at 7 p.m. right here in the same spot, so you can join us this Wednesday. And then also, of course, we're here on Sundays live at 9 a.m. and then on demand anytime after that for those of you who need a different time to take in the service. But thanks again for joining us. It's so great to be with you. We ha hope you have a great week, and we'll see you again next time.